Hello, folks. I am back again today with another historical podcast. Today, I will be discussing briefly some of the Celtic resistance to the rule and to the control of the Roman peoples. The first thing I'm going to talk about is how the Iron Age made Celtics much more tough and much more powerful than before. With the advent and the beginning of the Iron Age, the technology and calm and the ability to fight on both sides was made very was made was made at both sides much more powerful because iron technology lets you make better and more dangerous weapons you can make them longer you get more reach and you can kill things better because it's less likely to like mess up it's less likely to dent on a shield it's not like oh you're gonna hit someone's shield your weapon's gonna break off you can't use it it's gonna bounce off the shield with maybe a few dents and then you can fight with it. So it's kind of in general. One of the reasons that both sides had this like a way to fight so well is because of iron. I feel like people, I feel like the iron age and development of iron, this metallurgy is humanity's. I consider that probably humanity's like top three inventions. Agriculture and metallurgy are probably the top two to me because literally everything we have, or most pretty much everything we've had, relies on either agriculture or metallurgy in some way. So I feel like those are definitely the top two inventions. Okay, let's get started on the podcast. It actually took the Romans three separate attempts to conquer Britain, and even then they couldn't even control large portions of it. Part of this is because the Celts were able to build their own weapons and their own mater- their own shields too. Because they were forgers and because they had metallurgy experience, they were able to make their own weapons, so they didn't need to rely on any supply lines. They could arm themselves. So... Today, oftentimes in a war, people rely on supplies. And even if we look back at World War One, the British managed to blockade the start of Germany. However, this you couldn't blockade the Celts. The Celts were entirely self-sufficient. I think I need. I think I think people should note is that one way in which globalism, globalism and just like the increasing economic interdependence is affected the world is that in the case of a war, a blockade will be devastating to any country because without certain resources, your country can't exist anymore because people are so used to using them and people are so reliant on these other nations. Okay, let's get back to the combat te- techniques. So interestingly enough, if we if we like um, read and if we look at certain accounts by both the Greeks and the Roman historians, the Celts would sometimes go into battles without armor and completely, and sometimes even completely naked and just covered in war paint. However, there's some evidence. However, they also would use armor, and people often argue that all of them would have armor. However, another, I need to remind you all from my last podcast that oftentimes only the rich and the high-ranking warriors could afford armor or good armor because a lot of armor is very expensive. A thing to note, the Celtics were very infantry-based people. However, they would still use chariots in a way. I've always felt that their chariot technology was interesting. They would often run out of material. They would often use them as a way to break up the enemies in front of them and just to fight people. And they would often use this to... They would also sometimes run them into enemy ranks as a way to disrupt formations and just mess them up. And think to note, they did not have as advanced strategies as the Romans. They were still a pretty disorganized people compared to the Romans. However, they did have some very interesting and very powerful strategies that did let them get several victories. A thing to note is one of the most famous strategies, okay, probably the most famous, is what is known as the Fura Celtica. This means Celtic Fury. This is a mass charge that would be used to disrupt and split enemy ranks. However, it's not, it is, it is, it's kind of a known thing, or kind of like 
Today, we know that the Continental Celts were definitely different in the way that they would fight. The Continental Celts would assemble more of a phalanx-like formation, which would, as opposed to this, the um, more like disorganized and this different organization of the Britain Botanic tribes. And thing to note, the Celtics had a lot of famous tribes, Facinurex, Caradacus, and I'm sorry I can't pronounce this, Cassivelius. However, Bodacau, the famous warrior queen, is probably the most famous, if not the most famous. Just, Celt in general. For those who do not know who she is, she was the queen of the Iceni tribe. The Iceni tribe is one of the bigger and like one of the more major tribes of the wider Celtics in Britain. This is because they were just like a very powerful and they had a they were also a very resistant tribe and they were quite resistant to the Romans and Roman power quite in general. She would actually, Boudicca would actually form an alliance with various other clans and they would eventually defeat a, the Ninth Legion and they would sack several cities. Colchester, Londinium, aka modern day London, and Verulamium, which is St. Albans. I don't know what that actually means, but I know that these are the three major cities that they sacked. However, she would eventually be defeated at the Battle of Watling Street. Because eventually. Pretty much everyone loses, and it's believed that after her failure, she poisoned herself, and she's often considered to be a a British folk hero. And one of the reasons that she was against the Romans is that after her husband died, the Romans ignored his will and seized control of his kingdom, his property, and then did some things to her and her daughters that were wrong. And she would eventually launch a Madden. Oh, quick note. When I said Colchester, I meant the Roman. I mean, this, I could also have used the Roman name. Calumulodamum. Calumul. But I didn't. I'm not using that because I cannot pronounce that. I'm sorry. But, like, sometimes I have issues with these names. And I think to note, at this point, Londonium, aka London, was a very important commercial settlement in a way. And that eventually, it's estimate. It's actually estimated that in the three cities that they destroyed, at least seventy to eighty thousand people could have died or were killed by the Celtic forces, possibly through torture. And eventually, the man or the guy in charge of the soldiers, I believe his name was Gaius Suetonius. Gaius Suetonius Paulinus. He would actually launch a decisive defeat, despite being heavily outnumbered by the opposing tribes estimations put the casualties on the celtic size as enormous however these are probably pretty exact exaggerated as we only have the testimony from roman historians and we believe that this battle was fought on the roman road now known as watling street between london and i believe verconium aka a place called Roxexter in Shropshire. I looked that up in case any of you know British geography. I feel that might be more helpful than Verraconium because that is kind of vague. And this battle would actually kind of just destroy their rebellion. However, at the point Nero eventually did consider his surrender, but he he did consider that, like, that he might pull out, but he did not, which I think is very interesting. Well, thanks for listening, folks. That's all for today.